What's up, guys? Hey, you give it up for the band one more time. Weren't they awesome this morning? Man, we've got a really, really big day here uh, with HSM, right? We're meeting, we're continuing in our Flip the Script series this morning where we're looking at stories in Scripture where people, man, they went against the grain, they went against what was expected, and there was a completely different outcome that you and I can learn from. And then tonight we've got Baptism Bash, which is going to be a blast, okay? We're going to get to celebrate life change in a ton of our high schoolers' lives, which is really Really exciting, but as Catherine talked about earlier, one, there's going to be free food there, which is hard to beat, okay? But you show up, you're going to enter yourself into a raffle, okay? Raffle, the big prize is a free trip to Closer, but we're going to have a lot of other stuff available. And then the grade that has the most participation tonight, the most kids that show up to Bash, man, we are throwing you a late night party at Closer, okay? So everybody else is going to go to sleep. You guys are going to stay out, and we're going to have a party that keeps on going for y'all. So I am really, really excited about that. Let me ask you a question as we get started today. Is there anybody in here, you, you can be honest, you don't have to even talk about yourself. Do you know somebody that's always blaming someone else? Let me see this. Show of hands. Somebody that's blaming someone else. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Typically, I'm not one for the blame game, all right, because... That means you're guilty, all right? So I'm not usually one for the blame game. But what we're talking about today, we can actually go back and we can blame it on somebody, okay? If we flip back to the beginning of our Bibles, all right, we're going to meet these people named Adam and Eve, okay? Adam and Eve were the first human beings created, and let's be honest, everything was really good until they screwed it up for us, okay? They made a big mistake, right? Does anybody know what the mistake was? Lots of, everybody's afraid to get the answer wrong. I love asking that because you'll hear a lot of whispers like, I think I know the answer, but if I say it too loud and I'm wrong, I have to leave, right? That's not the case. But Adam and Eve, right, she's, Eve is tempted. They've got one job. You're not going to eat from this one tree and then what do they do? They eat from the one tree, sin enters the world, and now what was supposed to be perfect, this perfect creation in the garden, now the world that we live in today, the sinful world, the sinful nature that you and I are born into, we could trace all the way back to Adam and Eve, all right, and this one moment where they're tempted to do the one thing that God asked them not to do, all right? There's a lot of this in our lives where there's something that we're asked not to do, something that we know we're not supposed to do, and we do it anyways. Sometimes it's selfish desire. Sometimes it's peer pressure. Sometimes we just want to fit in. We don't understand why we shouldn't. What we're going to look at today is this idea of temptation and how we can flip the script on it. The hard part about temptation is we're all tempted by different things. What might be a struggle for me isn't a struggle for you, and what you might struggle with, it might not be something that I have an issue with. But that's the hard part about it is you can't just nail it down to one specific thing and go, yep, if you fix this, if you just eliminate this, you're going to be good to go. We all deal with different stuff. And there's a really cool passage in Scripture in Luke 4 
where we see this literally playing out. This decision that sometimes we have to make, uh, the dilemma of a moment, we see it physically playing out, and I think we'll be able to relate to it a little bit. Luke 4, verse 1, and it says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, that's going to be really important to what we're talking about the rest of the day, so be sure you underline that first verse, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry, which is normal, right? Forty days, no food, equals hungry. Got it. Verse 3, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whom I will. Verse 7. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. He took him up to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Verse 12, Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So we see this moment between Jesus and the enemy, right, where this is literally playing out, where he's tempting Jesus in three different ways to try to back off the claim that he's making. He knows who Jesus is, he knows what he's capable of, and he knows that he's going to be a problem. So they go through all of these different temptations, and we read this and go, well, that's great, but of course, man, Jesus can say no to that. I'm not Jesus. Well, no, we're not. But the interesting thing about it is, man, Jesus was fully God and fully man. So when the Bible says that he was hungry, he was hungry like you and I are hungry. And the temptations that he dealt with in this very moment and throughout his entire life were real. And they were real things that he was having to decide on. But there's some interesting things that we're going to be able to take away this morning that hopefully are going to help us in our battle with the temptations in our lives. And my goal and my prayer is that when we leave here, we're going to be able to flip the script on temptation and you're going to have a completely different viewpoint on how you deal with it and how you battle it. All right, so let's pray before we begin. Father, I know that This can be a difficult subject to talk about because it can make us a little bit uneasy because we're having to really think about some things that we don't want to think about, God. We're having to think about some things that we don't want other people to know about us. And Father, I know that, man, there's been moments in our lives where we haven't even wanted to show up here because of something that we did, a mistake that we made the night before. Father, I pray that First and foremost, every student and leader in here knows what you think about them, Father. Lord, that you love them unconditionally. And that the mistakes that we've made in the past don't define us. But God, we've got an opportunity to a brand new future because of what Jesus did. 
And so, Lord, I pray that we walk out of here with a brand new boldness about how we deal with temptation in our lives. God, that we know that it doesn't have to control us, that we're not a slave to it. But, Father, we've got the opportunity to defeat it, but we've got to work and we've got to be willing to lean into you. And I pray that we do that today. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, so if we're going to flip the script on temptation, if we're going to completely look at it and go, all right, I need to identify what the problem is, and this is how I can begin to get past it. The first thing that we've got to identify about it is the fact that temptation wants to isolate you. That's the first thing that we've got to understand about this whole deal is that temptation wants to isolate you. If we go back and look at the passage that we just read, I told you to underline that first verse because it said, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. It's really important that it started out that way because it's telling us something. Jesus has been in the wilderness for 40 days now, and he's been spending time with his Father. And so, man, he is full of the Spirit at this moment, and it's incredibly important to note that Because if he's not, and if we're not, that isolation is going to be a really, really dark place. That's going to be a really hard thing to deal with. So I think it's interesting that Luke notes that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit at this time, and he's prepared to deal with what's to come. Guys, there is no doubt that we've got a different viewpoint on the things in our lives based off if we've been in the Word or not. Man, if we're spending time in the Word daily and we're really trying to dig into what God has for us and we're spending time in prayer, when difficult things come in life, you're going to have a completely different reaction to it than when you're not. Because when you're not in the Word, you're going to be looking at it from a really worldly standpoint and this is going to seem impossible. So it's interesting that they note that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit at the time But then verse 3 says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. See, here's what Satan wanted in this very moment in his time with Jesus. He wanted him to feel like he was the last person on earth. That there was nothing that he could do that was going to fix the problem. He wanted to isolate Jesus and make him feel alone. Notice he goes to him, not when he's with his disciples, not when he's in a crowd of 5,000. Man, Satan comes to him when he spent 40 days in the wilderness by himself, and then he begins to present these things to him. He knows that he's hungry, right? He knows that hunger's an issue. So he gives him the opportunity to eat. If you are who you say you are, Then tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answers with a biblical response, with a response from the scriptures. That's how he responds to Satan in each temptation that we read about today. But I want you to really hone in on this idea. Imagine being that hungry. Imagine being 40 days in the wilderness kind of hungry. Right? Some of you ate breakfast this morning and you're starving right now. You're like, when are we getting out of here? I got to go eat, right? I feel like I'm not going to make it. That's how I am. I feel like I got to eat about every 45 minutes or so. That's my, that's my schedule. That's what I like to do. So 40 days, 
40 days, zero food. The temptation to just follow through and go, you know what? Yeah, I could just turn that into food right now. But he doesn't do it. The really interesting thing for me as I look at this passage is that Jesus doesn't perform some kind of miracle to get out of this temptations with Satan, right? They've got this dialogue going back and forth, and each time he gives them a response that's from Scripture. He never just performs a miracle and uses his power to get out of it. The encouragement for you and I right there is that we can do this, but we've got to be rooted in the right place. Satan's going to try to attack us when we're alone. He wants us to feel that we've got no other way out. That this mistake that you've made, this thing that you're doing, man, there's no recovering from that. So we've got a couple of responses Okay? The first of which is to do exactly what Jesus has done and make sure that we're rooted in the word. Because again, our viewpoint's going to be completely different on the subject and the situation. When you're really spending time with the Lord, things that are worldly don't seem as appealing. You've set your mind on higher things, on bigger things. But the second thing Make sure you're paying attention to your isolation. Is there moments where you're going to be alone? Yes. There's inevitable moments in your life and in your day-to-day where you're going to be by yourself and you've got to be rooted in the Word. But let me tell you something. You can be in a group of people and be isolated. If you're hanging out with the wrong people, if you've surrounded yourself with the wrong group of friends, that isolation is going to be that much more difficult. But when you've surrounded yourself with people that are chasing after the same things that you're chasing after, they can bring you back to reality a whole lot quicker and remind you of what's true. And they can remind you of the things that actually matter. So we've got to know God's word and have it on our heart But we've also got to pay attention to the situations that we're placing ourselves in. We've got to pay attention to those moments and those things that you think really aren't that big of a deal. Oh, it's a big deal. A lot of times we don't know how how to deal with temptation. We don't know how to deal with sin in our lives. And so what we do is we know that sin's bad. You're all old enough to know right from wrong. You know the things that you shouldn't do and the things that you should do. And that's why you feel bad about the things that you know are wrong. But here's the crazy thing. And this is what Satan wants us to do. This is the rationale that we'll use a lot of the time is, all right, I know this is bad, but I enjoy it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get as close to this as I can without actually following through. I'm going to get as close to the ledge as I can without actually doing what I want to do. The closer you get to that ledge, you're going to go. It's going to happen. I heard 
this illustration when I was in college. If you're walking down the street, you're in a neighborhood. Let's say you're at home, you're in a neighborhood. You're walking down the road, you see a house where somebody lives. They don't know you're coming, but you like their house. You like hanging out there. They're good people. So you're just going to go sit on the porch. You're just going to go hang out on their porch. Does anybody actually do that? No, that's weird. You get the cops called on you really fast, okay? But that's what we do with temptation a lot of the time is, I know I'm not supposed to be there, and I know I'm not supposed to go in the house, so I'm just going to go hang out on the porch. I'm going to get as close to it as I can without actually going inside. So we've got to understand that temptation wants to isolate us. We've got to spend time in God's word and we've got to surround ourselves with the right people. They're going to help give us a reality check when we need it. The second thing that we've got to do to flip the script on temptation is recognize our weak points. Because temptation wants to find where you're weakest. Luke 4 Verse 5 said, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. So he's given Jesus this image of all of the kingdoms in the world. And he's telling them, man, this can be yours. If you worship me, if you recognize who I am, All of this that you're seeing, you could have it. I'll let you have it. You see, what he's trying to do in this moment is he's trying to find where Jesus is going to be weakest. He's already gone after him with food. He's been in the wilderness for 40 days. If I can get him to bite on the food, I will have done my job. So that didn't work. Now I'm going to appeal to his ego. You see all this? This can be yours. You can have all of this if you really want it. He's trying to find the weakness and his way in. Did it to Jesus, he does it to us today. He wants to find what you're dealing with He wants to find that weakness and expose it. That thing in your life that you have a problem with might be drugs, it might be alcohol, it might be pornography, it might be sleeping around with people, it might be your ego, it might be pride, it could be a whole lot of things. But he wants to find what your weakness is and he wants to expose it. His goal is for us to doubt God and make us think that we can do it for ourselves. That's the end goal right here. He wants Jesus to doubt what he knows and begin to think that he can handle this whole thing by himself. Jesus, he knows that Jesus is the Son of God. But he wants to appeal to his ego and go, you don't need your dad for this. This could all be yours. It's what he does to us. Man, do you really think 
that's that big of a deal? You really think anybody cares about that anymore? It's 2019, man. That's how everybody lives life. It's what everybody does. Have you not heard people talking about it at school? You're the only person that's not doing this. He's chipping away, looking for that weakness. Whatever it is, chipping away, chipping away. And what can begin to happen is we begin to doubt what we know to be true. And go, yeah, I mean, I guess it really isn't that big of a deal. We begin to minimize it. It's not hurting anybody. I'm not going to bother anybody. And then over time, we begin to think that we can handle this whole thing by ourselves. And we don't have any need for God. We don't have any need to lean into Him. Because He knows if we're spending time in the Word, we're going to have a completely different viewpoint as we've talked about. So He wants us to think that we can handle all of this by ourselves and that none of it needs to be brought to the light. That we don't need to pray about it. That we don't need to go to God about it. That it needs to stay hidden, stay in the darkness, stay where it belongs. But guys, there's this really cool thing that can happen. When we identify the weaknesses in our lives, when we identify what we struggle with, and we go to God about it, you're taking what's in the darkness and bringing it to the light. And the enemy has no power over the light. You see, at the end of the day, the battle's been won. Jesus came here and won the game, okay? Good's gonna win. The light is going to get rid of the darkness. It's going to happen. And so when we take these things and just go, God, I'm struggling with this and I need you. We're recognizing our weak points and we're bringing them to the light. And we're taking them to somebody that can actually make a difference. And you will be amazed by how your thinking changes. Does it mean that the temptation's over? No. Does it mean that the enemy's going to leave you alone the rest of your life? No. But when you recognize the fact that you can't do it by yourself, and you take your weaknesses to the one that provides all of the strength, it completely changes the way that we think about this. Here's our final thought. Temptation is temporary. So we're going to flip the script on temptation. You've got to understand and recognize the fact that everything that it offers is temporary. It doesn't last. You and I could sit here and go through every single person sitting in the room and what we struggle with, and we could come back to the same conclusion about all of them. The fact that it doesn't last. The high wears off, the buzz wears off, the good time goes away. Like, it doesn't stay forever. But what Jesus came here and did, he offers it us eternity. He offers us the chance at forever. And I don't know about you, but I want to take something that lasts versus something that doesn't. 
I want to take and hold on to the things that are always going to be there and the things that are always going to remain true rather than the things that are going to come and go, no matter how appealing they are. You see, there's some really interesting things throughout Scripture that we see. We could flip to the book of James, and it says, Let no one say he is tempted. I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. So we've got the opportunity to go and recognize, look, this doesn't have to last forever. This doesn't have to be who I am. This doesn't have to define me. And you could flip to James 4 and realize that it says, man, if we call out on these things, that the enemy will flee from us. It's a really beautiful picture that we find. He's already lost. Satan's already lost. So he can only offer you temporary things. And so you might ask the question as the band comes back up. You might ask yourself the question, then why do I have to deal with it if he's already lost? And if these things are so temporary, why am I dealing with it? Why am I struggling with it? Why is it something that I just can't seem to get rid of? I saw this quote, and I think it applies to our lives so well. And the quote is this, many are attacked because many resist so little. Many are attacked because many resist so little. Some of you guys have decided just go ahead and wave the white flag and decide that you're not ever going to be able to be on the other side of it. That this struggle that you have is always going to define you. That this struggle that you have is always going to be who you are. And there's no getting to the other side of it. Well, I'm here to tell you that those things are temporary. And they come and go as you get older. It even says in the passage that we read that the enemy left Jesus, then was looking to come back at another opportune time. So we're always going to be dealing with these things. But if we flip the script from the way that the world sees temptation, the world sees struggle, and we see it how God lays it out, the fact that we can be on the other side of it, the fact that we don't have to be alone, the fact that we can identify our weaknesses and go to the one who provides strength, it can completely change the trajectory of some of your lives. Your story's not over. You're not defined. You're not finished. You can keep going. And you can keep going in the direction that God's calling you to, not the one that the enemy's trying to lead you to. Hold on to it. Remember it. And live for it. Place his word on your heart and completely flip the script on the way that we deal with temptation. Would you pray with me? God, I know how hard this can be. God, it doesn't matter if we're in high school or we're adults. Temptation is hard. Sin is difficult. Man, it feels so right at the time, and then we feel so wrong. And we keep hearing this voice that says, you're not going to be able to get to the other side of this. You might as well give up. You might as well not try to win. But God, we know from your word that we can win. 
that we can be on the other side of us, that we can flee from temptation. God, in just a complete moment of honesty with you, as we're sitting in this room, and God, if we just say, man, I walked in here dealing with temptation, I walked in here with a struggle in my life, but I don't want it to define me anymore, would you just slip your hand up? Just saying, God, I've got this thing in my life that I'm struggling with that hurts me, and I don't want it to be a part of my story any longer. Put your hands down. Father, you know that hands went up all across this room. And God, we probably imagine that we're the only ones that put our hands up because the enemy wants us to feel isolation. The enemy wants us to feel like nobody else is walking through that. Nobody else deals with it. But God, I pray that we know when we hold on to the fact that there's lots of people that are dealing with it. And often the things that are most personal are usually most universal. God, never allow us to feel like we're on an island. Surround us with the people that we need to be with that can encourage us the truth. And I pray that we dig into your word and we see that we can be on the other side of temptation. We can completely flip the script on what the world says. Lord, thank you for that hope. Thank you for that opportunity. It's your name that we pray. Amen.